nice just to like travel and like be in nature. But um, this week has been just so overwhelming. So it's like all the stuff I wasn't doing, <laughs> like while traveling and having having a good time. Um, it's just like all my plate now. So that that's not fun. But um, I'm glad I have good memories. How have you been doing? Going back to high school, I can kind of start off with. Uh, my background, so my parents are um, Punjabi Sikh. They're quite traditional um, Punjabi Sikh. And, like, as the oldest daughter, I definitely felt that, like, constraint of being the eldest daughter of, like, immigrant Punjabi Sikh parents to the U.S. Um, so in high school particularly, like, I think that's when you're kind of, like, coming of age and you're wanting to explore like creative expression and even sexuality and my parents are just like you're not leaving the house you're not doing that like you're not doing that um so it was hard it was hard to um be growing up in the west and then having like parents that were just very controlling um so for me like Throughout high school, like I was just really high achieving, um, got really good grades. I graduated as valedictorian, um, was the tennis captain. I ran track all four years. I ran hurdles three of those years. Um, I graduated high school with like the highest number of community service hours because um, that was kind of my thing I love to do. I love to volunteer. And I, that's something that's still um, kind of transcended into now is like me continuing to want to serve um, and make an impact on community. And that's something that's definitely been a through line since I've been a kid. Um, but yeah, like, what else, what else do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when did your journey with yoga started then? Um, so I started actually practicing um I was 19. I was going to UCLA. Um, so my parents were super strict. They um, basically told me, like, if you don't go to UC Merced, which was a university right next to our house, we're not going to pay for you to go. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, thank you for giving me this advanced information. So I know to get a lot of scholarships. Um, so I got scholarships, loans, ended up deciding to go to UCLA. I was choosing between UCLA and schools in the East Coast. Uh, but UCLA just has like a good campus. Um. You're listening to Sharni Vision Podcast, a Punjabi lifestyle podcast where I spotlight a Punjabi living their aligned life. Sashriya and welcome. I'm your host, Supreet Zohi, skin therapist and life coach. On Charity Vision, I bring you a new guest each week to share their courageously aligned journey. My goal is to share their journeys and stories to awaken your inner lioness or lion to follow its soul's purpose. Let's join the conversation. Um, so yeah, what I was sharing earlier, um, was I started going to yoga studios, uh, 
near UCLA. And for those that don't know, UCLA is in a pretty high affluent area surrounded by Bel Air, Beverly Hills, Westwood. Um, so much of the studios I was going to had that population. So you can imagine like thin, tall, skinny white girls. Um, and it was very Austin focused. It was very much on the um, focus of appearance. Um, but I went to a bunch of different yoga classes. I was like, oh, I don't understand. Everyone says it's a spiritual practice. I'm not really like seeing it being taught that way. Um, and it wasn't until graduating UCLA, I got a role as director of business development and marketing for a startup. Most of their clients were based in India. Um, so because of this, we spent a lot of months, um, over a year and a half in India. Um, again, this role still had that like stress, um, had, um, like high pressures. And I was like, I need something to ease my suffering. <laughs> so I decided to start going to local yoga communities. At that time, I was in Delhi. And I started going to the Ananda Sangha. So the Ananda Sangha, they teach in the lineage of Parhamsa Yoga Ananda. For those that don't know, he wrote Autobiography of a Yogi. That's probably his most well-known um, book. He has many others. Um, but the way they taught there was just with so much devotion. They, like, spoke about God. They um, had chanting. We meditated. Um, we had asana, but it was so much more gentle. And, like, every time I left that sangha, I was just, like, crying in the car home. Um in the taxi home. And I think that was my first time interacting with yoga where I was like, Oh my God, like this is a practice to connect to God and to make sense of life and to ease suffering and to build community. And I think that's, it, that's where it really began was in like 2015. So like seven years ago. Um, and ever since then, I, I was lucky, lucky enough that they also had a Nanda Sangha community in LA. So I started going there. I was working with a teacher one-on-one -on -one for a year. Um, a few years later, I moved to Australia. There, I ended up getting a 350-hour yoga teacher training. Since then, I've done trainings in Kundalini yoga, which brought me closer to Sikhism. Um, I teach private clients now, but the way I teach is really informed by my early experiences going to that Sangha in Delhi where it was this connection to God. It was connection to yoga as a way to connect to spirit, as a way to make sense of life, a way to ease suffering. Um, so that's kind of like very long winded way of, um, talking about like my path into yoga and why it's still something I value so much. And I know right now, like I'm both a student, a practitioner, a teacher, and I know so little, but the, what I do know, I'm so happy to lovingly share with my students. I feel all the loving vibes from you all the way over <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, it's so crazy how yoga works that way. You know, I was introduced and I was introduced to Bikram yoga. Mm. And it was so intense, definitely intense, you know. But I think exactly what you said, my mindset 
was in a whole different space when I was doing my practice at that time. But when that one-on-one connection happens that this is more than just a workout or, you know, just, you know, something to do, it's a connection. It's deeper than that. And what it can allow other things to happen, like the releases that you experience, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, I, I shared something on Instagram yesterday where I was talking about how I hope, like, all sincere students and seekers of yoga are able to find communities and teachers um, who teach yoga as a spiritual practice um, and are able to be taught or shown the path by teachers that understand that, that don't just see it as a workout. Um And I was listening to a podcast earlier where the Indian yoga teacher on there was talking about how, like, when we talk about, like, um, liberation and um, the easing of suffering and all these, like, really big ideas that are hard to, like, conceptualize until you've experienced it for yourself. Um, And I think that's the importance of, like, the experiential part of yoga and like experiencing it for yourself and not just someone being like, Oh, you should do this. It's good for you for X, Y, and Z obvious reasons. It's like you sit down, like you're saying, and you have this like profound connection. You're like, Whoa, what was that? That's so cool. I want more of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing path. It's there's a reason yoga has survived thousands and thousands of years why we're still practicing it um, because there's something there. There's something there for us to like reach enlightenment, to ease our suffering. I mean, this like what I'm just seeing is like my, my kids make fun of me because I do yoga literally everywhere. Like, like sometime I'm in the mm-hmm. shower, my sister, my, <laughs> my daughter's like, what are you doing? You're doing yoga. I'm like, Babe, I got to move. I got to do some exercise, you know, but it is, it's so, it, it becomes such a part of you. Right. And they see me doing it and they're doing it. You know, um, it was funny because yesterday I was telling my mom, I was like, you know, when you used to do Radas at night mm. you know, and how that was so meditating. And at that time I didn't care. I'm like, oh my God, now I got to sit for another hour, (laughs) you know? Um, But now I'm like, oh my God, no wonder as a, no matter how crazy of a child was, that was my grounding point, you know? And now I'm trying to implement that. How was your experience with Sikhi and growing up? Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing your personal experience. Um, I just love hearing um, what seemed very similar, like me growing up, my parents being pretty controlling, um, being very devout Sikhis, but in a way that wasn't, didn't seem to really translate through their actions. It was more like a devotional way. Um, But they would have, I have two younger brothers, like from as early as I can remember, they would like plop us down in front of um, like our altar with all the gurus, like all the pictures. And my mom had the incense, pop us down, hand us um, like the Japji Sab. And every single morning for years and literally, I think from the time I was like three to 18, we had to sit down, 
read it and they'd like sit next to us make us read it and then we had to then we were allowed to like get up and go um wow so that's it, commitment it would I mean it was forced commitment <laughs> yeah that's true too um and similar to you like when that was happening and and when I went off to UCLA I was like I'm never doing that again um I don't believe in God um and that disbelief in God came from like particularly my dad being so like God is watching like you need to pray Mm -hmm. you need to do all these things kind of a fear-based almost um and then he has um like undiagnosed mental disorders, like there was domestic violence in the home, there was bullying, there was sexual abuse. And so for me to see him as this like devout sicky, but then in his actions, not in any way being a devout sicky, I was like, there must not be a God. Like how, like how could someone like him say he's such a God fearing man, but do all these things? Um, so going off to UCLA, I was very much like a, I'm atheist, um, which never felt right either. But it was honestly when I started doing yoga and when I was crying, I was like, oh my God, no, there is a God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like what I've been searching for my whole life has been this connection to spirit, has been this connection to like who I am. And I had to find it through my own way. Wow. It's crazy how that, you know, spirit leads you to it, you know, no matter what, and your journey. How is your, so when you were doing yoga, what was your, was there a vision you wanted to do with yoga or it was just, I'm just learning everything? I think when I first started practicing, it really was um, to understand like what yoga is Um, and what was interesting and I mean, it's still what it is today. Like in the West, like we just have this translation of like yoga equals asana, yoga equals exercise. Um, That never sat right with me. Like it just didn't feel right. And it wasn't until I went to India and I was like, well, yoga's from here. Let me just, let me go practice. Let me see what, what it's about. Um, And then in those practices where, they talk like they talk about the philosophy and read from the sutras and from the Bhagavad Gita and like there's chanting and the meditation and like seeing all these different components. I think for me, I just started doing all that in the beginning because I was seeing I was less anxious. I Mm. was less depressed. I actually now realize in college I was going through bouts of depression. Um. And I, I didn't think I realized it at that time. It, it's only now looking back, I'm like, oh, no, that's what that was. And I realized, like, practicing yoga, I haven't had that. Like, I haven't been depressed. Um, and I'm not as anxious as I used to be. And there's, like, this connection to faith and connection to spirit. And, like, my body has become stronger and my mind has become more calm. Um, and I think that's just transcended out to like the types of relationships that I have and like the people that are in my life. And like, I mean, I think I'm just always going to be on this path of yoga because um, there's just so much that we can learn and there's so much self-discovery that can happen. Um, 
as a result of being on this path. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've made this your complete life. You know, when we were in the mastermind together, you know, I honestly admired you. And, you know, with your um, Women's Summit. Women of Color Summit, yes. Yes. And (laughs) leading that, it just, I'm in awe because we need more spaces like that. We need that. And for our people of color, we need more education out there. Um, But I would love to hear about that, your journey with how that came to be. Yeah. um, I feel like my best ideas um, and the things that are going to be in most alignment either come during times of when I'm in silence. So say Mm. I am meditating. um, I'm just like walking through a forest. um, or when I'm doing, say, something like breath work. Um, or, yeah, I, I think that those are the times when, like, the answer comes is when I'm in silence. Because I think silence is, like, our ultimate teacher. Um, so with the Woman of Color Summit and even, even, like, deciding to become a full-time yoga teacher were ideas that came to me during my um, – my, my third, it was my third, um, 10 day silent retreat. That's a Vipassana retreat. Um, I went to the Vipassana retreat and I just kept getting messages of like, there needs to be more spaces for healing for women of color and and non-binary folks of color as well, where people feel safe to explore these practices like yoga and Reiki and, um, the Akashic records and all these other practices that are ancestral to us, but being in the West get co-opted by white folks. Mm. Um, so I was getting those messages at that time. I was doing a lot of breath work as well. Breath work is a fantastic way to, um, work through any trauma that might be in your body to really somatically release. And I was just getting like, so many clear messages of like, this is the path for you. This is what's meant for you. Um, and I was lucky enough. I, I think I've reached this point where like, I, I, there's this like meme that I've seen, I think it's, or like a realist and it's so funny. It's like um, your spirit guides trying to give you a message um, and like, you're not listening. And then like when they, next time they give you a message is like you literally being like, knock to the floor and you're like okay okay I'm listening now (laughs) um I feel like in the last few years I've gotten much better at not needing my spirit guides or universe or god to completely knock me down on my face before I listen I'm like okay (laughs) every day I'm gonna sit and meditate so I become a better listener of like what it is you want me to be doing Mm. um And through those spaces, I just, I have been intuitively like, okay, I should join this program. Okay, this person feels like someone I should work with. I mean, those two examples being like, I was kind of like led into, I should join the decolonizing wellness mentorship with one of my mentors, Constanza Eliana Chenea. Then I met Irene there, who's the co-founder, my business partner, the Woman of Color Summit, a message like, you should work with her. And I decided to follow that. Um, but 
a lot of these messages and ideas and things that are coming into fruition now have come from me sitting in silence, have come from me meditating, have come from me trying to really listen to what ancestor spirit guides want me to do. And even if it's uncomfortable, it's like, okay, let me try. Let's see what happens. Um, But I feel like in the last few years, I've also been very fortunate in having my partner um, and his family who are just so supportive and so loving um, and I, I really do thank like the universe, God, my spirit guides, ancestors, I thank them every day, but I really thank them for like, sending my partner and his family into my life. Um, Cause to have that support, you're able to take more risks. You're able to go. And that's why I think sometimes when I see on social media, people saying like, and now I'm kind of going on a rant, but when people are just like, just follow your dreams, just do it. And it's like, yes, but we still need our basic needs met. Like we still need our safety, being able to eat, say we have kids, like, and I just feel really lucky that I've, spirit, God, the universe has like provided for me in ways that I'm able to go after and like create my dreams. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of like meditating and really listening deeply um, and, and really shutting out like what it is that externally like society um, and what the status quo wants us to do Um, and being like, no, I don't care. It's not what I want. Um, And going after like what it is that speaks to me and what I think is right. Wow. That's, you know, that's so hard to do. What would be like, can you give like an example or how, because we have so many thoughts in our head, right? Mm. (laughs) We go through so much and to ease our minds, we're able like, you know, I always say journal. I Mm. I feel like that's my best way is like, because I have all these different ideas or just conversations and to really just weave through all that. I journal and then I'll meditate and or vice versa, you know, but what would, or what is your suggestion? Yeah. I mean, like in the, in the um, yoga sutras of Patanjali, uh, Patanjali's yoga sutras, I mean, that whole book, all those sutras are just literally talking about how to tame our mind how to have a peaceful mind. Um, And in those sutras, it's talking about yoga as a tool, as a way to control, to have a peaceful mind. Um, So, I mean, there's like, there's literally like practices from thousands and thousands of years ago that are giving us systems and tools in order for us to tame our mind. And for me, I find like, like movement is key, moving your body, mm. um, meditating, like need to find time to sit in silence. Um, because for me, like when you take that time to sit in silence, you then start to decipher, okay, there's a lot of thoughts in here. Which one of these thoughts are actually mine? Whatever that means, you know, like whatever my thoughts actually mean, like which one of these thoughts are actually mine? Okay okay, if this is actually my thought, is this actually like coming from a place of fear? Okay, then what does my thought 
or the voice of my intuition or wisdom sound like? And I think that takes discernment. It takes the time of like, like you're saying, journaling to sit in meditation, to start to understand, okay, this thought, this idea is coming from a place of wisdom, Um, but it takes practice. Because I know for a lot of people, they're like, I don't understand. What does it mean? Like, if this is the sound or the voice of my fear versus like the voice of my intuition, and it, it takes practice. It takes practice of sitting in silence and starting to decipher, is this my thought? Is it actually my thought? Okay, say it is. Is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of wisdom? And would I like to move forward with it instead of just reacting blindly to thoughts that come in all the time? Something Mm. my um, Kundalini teacher said that I think about all the time is he was talking about like with our thoughts, He's like, how do you like, how do you know that thought is yours? Where is it coming from? And I think about that all the time where I'm just like, is that actually my thought? Because sometimes I'll have like a really like fear based scarcity, like you're not going to succeed thought come to me. I have to sit and ponder. I'm like, is that my thought? Or is that maybe my neighbor from like two houses down? It's their thought. And like, we're all connected. And it's just like, come over into my thought process. I'm like, no. I'm not going to follow that. Like, we don't need to turn stories out of all the thoughts we have because we have so many of them. Um, Mm. But that's why I meditate daily. Like, we need practices to tame our mind, to have peaceful minds. Oh, my God. That's – there's so many key nuggets right there. It is so important to do that and take the time. Um, You know, when you're talking about it, I could think of – you know, going through, you know, dealing with a narcissist, you mm. get lost in all those and you get devalued, you know, and mm. you are trying to gain that voice back, that confidence back, you know. Mm. And during that process, it is so hard to fucking meditate, you know. Mm. Um, you're going crazy. Um, but it it was a game changer for me. And, like, talking to other, you know, DM victims is just everybody's healing process is different, obviously. Mm. But I feel like, but the meditation part is so key there. So key. Yeah. And and thank you for, like, expanding on for yourself, like, having been with a narcissist and, the healing piece afterwards because it's so true like if there's someone say a person in your example or a group of people say like your family or like society as a whole that keeps giving you thoughts like you're not worthy you don't deserve that who do you think you are after a while you're just like i guess that's true i guess your thoughts have become my thoughts and now they're my beliefs Mm. Um, and it's, I think that's why for me, like my family was like that. They were quite, quite limiting and I had to get away from that. But I think for me now, it's like really now discerning, like, okay, what are my thoughts and what are the beliefs that I want to cultivate and hold that are actually like in most alignment to me that aren't going to cause more suffering. Um, and I think that's just so key what you shared, like having your own personal experience, like, 
what was like that? What, like, what was the process like for you? How did you then start to create that self-belief and like move away from those like thoughts that were imposed on you? Um, you know, it's funny. Cause like, of course, like in our Sikhi families, you know, they're like, Bhartkar, mm. Bhartkar, you know, Vaiguru has all the mm. answers. Like, yes, I know, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't have the time to talk to him right now. <laughs> and um, it was, uh, it was like, you know, he would, my ex would take the kids and then I would find myself crying. But then it, obviously I'm listening to Japji Sahib or some kind of bard. Mm. Um, I did a lot of Dukh Panjani. Mm. Um, my mom is very religious I wouldn't say they're like deep you know cutthroat you know gotta do Sikhi but she was always keeping an open mind about it and um, and for me it was starting I don't want to say from the bottom but it was I had to slowly regain it like I, I did my crystal healing I did my Reiki healing you know and and usually in Sakib that's frowned upon you don't need mm. these tools these modalities right but yeah. they're all part of this world this universe right and you use them for your healing as much as you need they're fun you know they're healing they're insightful um so I did a lot of that and I kept it to myself I did a lot of healing uh and journaling around it um but yeah, it is definitely when you're going through that, I think yoga was my key. And um, in one of my posts, I did post, um, as you mentioned, too, like I was having panic attacks, but I wasn't realizing they were panic attacks. Mm. I stopped breathing. Wow. And I knew like regular doctors weren't going to figure this out. I already knew that, you know, you know your body, right? Mm. Um, so I went to an acupuncturist. And <laughs> he was this Chinese guy wouldn't talk and I'm like here oh my god like what is he doing he's not talking what is wrong with me you know like all these convert you know thoughts and his reply was yoga mm. uh, the bow and that was one of my favorite poses mm. the bow and I'm like okay well let's hit the mats again <laughs> And, but this time, you know, I connected the mind with it, though. That was a key part. Um, you know, you do your yoga. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, you do it. But it's breathing into those poses. Breathing life back into yourself. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, was that bow pose or boat? Bow. 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 Wow. Yeah. Um because when I think about like getting into bow pose, like you're like opening into your throat, like you're opening into your heart space. Um, there's like so much going on there that, yeah, that acupuncturist was smart. It's a good acupuncturist. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to make it a little bit more light. So how was your going through so many retreats and, you know, different yoga experiences, would you, did you ever imagine you would be holding a space or community like this yourself? Hmm. I think what I always knew was I wanted to create my own space. Um, I always knew that I wanted to have 
like my own organization or my own business. Like I always dreamed about like holding my own retreats. Um, and that kind of like came through like after graduating UCLA, like the longest I've worked at a job has been a year. Um, and then I would always quit cause it just never, it just didn't feel right. I don't really like being, um, managed by anyone else. Like that's just not my personality type. Um, but it was just honestly like a, just a huge blessing from the universe to have found yoga, um, to have been a student for so long, to have, um, gone through these different healing modalities to have a background like before I created the woman of color summit became a full-time yoga teacher like I worked in business development and marketing for eight years um, and those skills have like been absolutely vital and necessary in creating the woman of color summit and being a full-time yoga teacher and like I'm lucky that's not something that is like my full-time thing. I don't have to do that for another company. I get to do it for myself, but all those things have made it possible for me to be able to now create spaces for other women of color. Like for me as a yoga teacher, I only work with folks of color. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. I'll say I work with allies, but I, in all my experiences, I prefer working with folks of color. That's who I love working with. And like most of my work is like one-on-one. -on -one. So I'll work with students anywhere from say a month at the shortest end, typically it's longer up until a year. Um, and we'll work through the understanding of like, what is yoga? Like, what does it mean to be on this path? Like we work through the eight limbs of yoga. Um, we'll work through asana. We'll work through pranayama. We will meditate and like, talk about yoga philosophy and like there's homework and self-study and it's for me it's like working in this one-on-one -on -one way with my students so that they develop just such a deeper understanding so then when we finish our relationship as teacher student they walk away actually knowing what yoga is mm. um and I think that that's so important yeah absolutely go ahead I was I cut you off <laughs> no 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 um yeah, no, I mean, it's like, I just, just so sincerely want my, my students, just all beings, like, I just want everyone. And I do, I do the um, bless, uh, blessing of metta, a metta blessing, um, or the prayer, like every single day. Um, and it's, and it's may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy. May all beings be safe. May all beings be at ease. I wanted to take a quick minute out of this amazing conversation to talk about an amazing product that I've been using at home. So if you've been following me on my Instagram, at Vision, I have this purple bath that me and Siba Biba just love obviously it's so beautiful but it's also anti-inflammatory it's also antibacterial anti-anxiety and this company is called cbd levity and they're based here in virginia you know i love supporting small businesses and go check them out go try their products they also have a saliva which i also love when you're tired from texting all day Mm-hmm. You that saliva comes really handy on your wrist. You can use my code SABRITH20 
10 and you'll get 10% off. Now back to the conversation. What I was saying was I do a blessing of Metta, the prayer of Metta every single day. Um, and it's may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be safe, may all beings be at ease. Um, and I think like that's just a key component for me as like, and, and that comes from Buddhism. It's not necessarily, although there is, there is like metta and yoga as well, but um, it's just like for me when I work with students, just giving them a way to understand how yoga is a spiritual practice and how to apply it to their life. Um, and so they can start to see all the changes that are taking place. But I just think it's just such like one of the greatest blessings of my life right now to um, run the Women of Color Summit, to hold retreats in person, to work with students one-on-one, um, to have students that want to learn from me. And like, I get to continue to be a student and like be on this path and not be limited by needing to work like a nine to five. And like, I get to go on silent retreats and I get to go on mindfulness retreats. And um, yeah, I just feel very blessed to uh, be on the path that I'm on. I love that. And what is the vision behind the color, uh, Woman of Color Summit? So the Woman of Color Summit for us was around creating brave, brave spaces, brave community spaces for um, Black, Indigenous, women of color and non-binary folks of color to be seen authentically, authentically, to be seen for their wholeness, to be seen and heard, um, for them to form communities with other like-minded folks. Um, to have spaces where people can heal and to have spaces where like healing and wellness is accessible and not only is it accessible it's like safe Um, so for us it's like and this comes from my own background of like feeling lonely and feeling like I didn't have friends or a community or I didn't feel like I belonged and so for me my greatest like hope and vision with the woman of color summit is to create spaces where people walk away with a friend they feel like they belong. Um, they feel like they're being celebrated. Like for us, it's wanting to uplift and celebrate um, BIPOC um, that are doing just such tremendous work in the healing spaces, but don't get the credit or the um, accolades that they really should be receiving. Um, so I think the long-term like vision with this is for us to keep growing holding more summits we have our group program deepening a spiritual practice and community um having more retreats um but also just like however spirit wants to lead us also just being like open vessels for that um and and we don't the way that me and irene work is like we have an anti-perfectionist manifesto um we give each other a lot of grace we have a team we give them a lot of grace and it's like we're humans first. Um, and if the woman of color summit ever needed to end, then it's going to end. And I'm sure spirit is going to send along an even more beautiful project. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a blessing to be able to work on it now. That's so beautiful. I mean, all the topics that you go through during that summit, you know, I was just looking at the agenda, you know, they're so crucial 
Mm. And those, you know, again, you know, these topics need to be discussed. We need more spaces for this. And you're providing that. Um, and I know I'm doing my little part in our South Asian community too. And like, likewise, like you, but it is giving, finding that I love the buddy system you had too. <laughs> and that was really cute. I, I, oh my God, it was so cute. Um, but yes, it is because you, when you're going through stuff and you are figuring yourself out, you know, you do, you, it gets lonely, you know, no one understands you and it gets, your friend circle gets smaller, and smaller. If, mm. if you ever had one, you know, um, and then you're just rebuilding from there. You're building your own tribe. You're building your own community. But it can take a while. Um, so I love that you have that. And, and, you know, whoever's listening out there will take advantage of the retreats that you offer. They're on the West Coast, correct? Yeah, they're the ones that we've had have been in Topanga. Our next one is going to be in the summer of 2022. Um, it's going to be again on the West Coast. We haven't decided whether Northern California or Southern California, but we have we do know it'll be in California, uh, but the exact location we have not decided yet. That's so beautiful. And then, I any last remarks you want to tell the listeners? I mean, thank you for listening. If you've made it to um, this far into the podcast, like thank you for um, engaging for so long. Um, And because like all this time and energy that we have is so precious. Um, And there's a lot not within our control, but there's, there's also a lot within our control. Um, and so for me, like this practice of yoga, it helps me release the things that I realize like, okay, I can't do anything about it, but it also shows me how much I can actually change. Um, so for those listening, like, thank you for spending your precious time, your like precious energy with us. Um, and know that like, there's so much that we can control so much that we can't. Um, but like just empowering yourselves in any way that feels good for you. Um, and if you want to, um, see some more as me, you can go to my Instagram, Facebook, or both Harpinderman yoga. My website is harpinderman.com. I work with folks of color in teaching them yoga as a spiritual practice, um, through embodiment, through somatic practices, um, one-on-one I've started to do some stuff online because I've had more people reaching out please feel free to reach out and if you're interested in joining the woman of color summit community um, Instagram and like social media handles are all at woman of color summit and that's woman with an x um, and then website is womanofcolorsummit.com um, we have our next group program is going to be launching soon um, our annual summit is going to be in the middle of this year, along with the retreat. And I so, so love that you mentioned our, um, soul buddy program. Cause we're actually going to launch something around Valentine's day around the soul buddy program. So keep an eye so out. So freaking cute. <laughs> yeah. We're like, Oh, we have to like, it just makes so much sense. Um, but yeah. And thank you so much for like having me on. This is so much fun to connect in this way. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot to ask you. What is your self-care routine? Like, I know you do your yoga. 
But is there anything else for your self-care? A nightly routine, morning routine? Yeah. So um, something I've been implementing this year has been a sauzana. So that's been my practice in the morning, and that's going for a walk. I come back and then do a little bit of asana. Um, after asana, I will meditate, do a seated meditation, and then do Nadi Shodhana, also known as alternate nostril breathing. Um, that's been a really great way just to like spend, have some like me time before I get into the craziness of what the day has to bring. Um, but self-care, honestly, for me, is like not having anything scheduled. <laughs> it's like, okay, these two hours, I have nothing scheduled. So what am I going to do? I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to just hang out on bed um, and not feel guilty about it. Because I used to have a lot of guilt around like watching Netflix or just hanging out. So it's like just resting and chilling and having no guilt about it whatsoever. That's so beautiful. I love that you mentioned that. And the nose breathing, nostril breathing, I watched your video and I started incorporating that in my practices. It is definitely a game changer. Oh, so, yeah, that's so amazing. Yeah, so definitely go follow her and yeah, take some tips out there. But I love that. This was so amazing. Thank you so much, hon. No, thank you for asking me and having me on. This is like such a... um it's like about to be 2.30 here, but it was like the perfect like middle of day. I feel energized again. Um, yeah, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Share New Vision Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps other lionists find the podcast. Stay connected with me on social media, on Instagram at Sharni Vision. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get notified of weekly episodes, affirmations, healthy lifestyle tips, vegan recipes, skincare product recommendations, and newly added Sharni Life's monthly book club. I'll see you soon. Sashriya